boys, here we go. Episode two of the Hibs Ramble, The Money Spinner. I'm joined, my name's Craig. I'm joined tonight by Liam and Michael. How are we doing, lads? Not bad, mate. How are you doing? I'm good, good, good. How are you, Michael? I'm all good. I'm all good. Uh, nervous, but... Uh, nervous? <laughs> what are you nervous Not ahead of, ahead of the upcoming fixture, which we're going to talk about. Oh. Not nervous because you're uh, on uh, Hibernian's number one rated uh, podcast. No, 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 that's not a nervous thing. That's a excited thing. Good. Glad to hear it. Aye, so the night we'll just go through, um, you know, the, the return of probably one of the best features in the Scottish Football Podcast game, which is the Pymiership. Now, last season, this was pretty much Liam just describing his pies, but we're all going to have a bash at it this season and we'll get a league table done up. So we've got our scores on the doors. So we'll start with the Premiership then. So obviously we're away to St Johnston, McDermott Park. The kiosk set up isn't the greatest in there as you come through the turnstiles. No, not great. Busy, very congested. You get to the front of the queue, you see at the side of the kiosk, the special is a steak and black pudding pie. So immediately you're salivating. You know, the mouse starts filling up. You can't wait to get stuck in. And you get to the front of the counter and of name left. Liam, talk yeah. me through it. What was your what was your initial reaction to finding out that the steak and black pudding pie was indeed out of stock? So I, I went I went down to the pie queue after maybe about 10, 15 minutes of the game just so that I didn't have to stand in a horrible queue. And that's when I realised that the pie of the day was steak and black pudding. And I'm thinking, here we go. I was thinking like Fabrizio Romano. This is it. I got to the front of the queue and I was met with the wheel. I said, I went, any steak and black pudding pies left hen? She went, nah. I was thinking, well, that's a bit bloody rude. So I went, that's gutting. My heart sank. I fell to my knees. And I said, I'll just have a steak and gravy pie instead. <laughs> I was, so uh, do you want me to go through my scores now? Well, I was likewise, Liam, but I was actually, you know, I could have saved your journey because I was there about half an hour before kickoff. So that's a joke. The Hibernian support were indeed frothing for their steak and black pudding <laughs> pie. Michael, I'm intrigued to see what you thought of the whole pie out of stock scenario. And if you weren't going for the steak and black pudding, what were you going for? Well, it's quite fitting that they were out of stock for me as I did not make any effort to buy one. Um, I was not hungry, so I thought, therefore, there was no point in me queuing up for uh, a pie. <laughs> um, I also feel it's interesting for me to present a, a viewpoint from those not having pies so that, uh, and perhaps try and to access food that is otherwise unavailable. So, like what? Well, I don't really like the sound of a steak and black pudding pie, if I'm being honest. Really? Nah. It sounds, it sounds, it sounds to me like they weren't actually sold it the second. They thought again about how disgusting it sounded and thought they wouldn't actually try and sell it to people. I tell you what, that's left field. Yeah. That is left field. However, committing to the content, we love to see it. We absolutely love to see it. So a big fat zero will be struck against Michael for the McDermott Park effort of the Premiership table. Can I also make Maybe a suggestion, a... sorry, going forward? On the events that I don't have a pie, um, of which will be often uh, due to the fact that I uh, said last week that I don't like funding other clubs beyond what I need to... Um, perhaps for the true review of the pie, I should give an average of what you have so say whatever yous have, I'll go for what the average is of your rating, and that can be the true meet in the middle. The true rating of the pie. Ironic, were you saying that Liam that he would meet in the middle? Because that's what we're reviewing. <laughs> we're reviewing the meet I tell in the you middle. What, so that's some segue by the way. There we go. Eh? I told you, I'm I'm no new to this game. I've been in the block a couple of times. <laughs> Two episodes in, and I tell you what, the best production value that Hibernian has. Exactly. So we've got four four criteria under which the pie review falls under. It'll be a mark out of five for each. So we've got price, crust, filling, and temperature, giving you 
out of five for each, an overall rating out of 20. So, Liam, I'll ask you first, what was your overall score? So, overall, McDermott Park pies. Actually, Kim, what? It'll probably be better to to go category by category first. No, no? Give me your overall, overall and then we'll first. break it down. Overall? Yeah. Uh, nine. Nine? Yes. I was 14. Really? Aye, I felt, That's high. Yeah, I know. That's high. I've got good pie standards, mind. I so have I, but I thought... I feel like you do too, though. I actually thought that was a poor score and on reflection to what it could have been. But nine is... Mm. Nine is... Yeah. So your, your price, where are, you, where are you sitting on price? So price, I'm at a three. I was four. Two, £2.90 for a steak and gravy pie, Um, I think is a, a reasonable price point. Um, the reason why it didn't get higher is because the quality of the pie was low. So you you get what you pay for, really. If it was a better price and a shiter pie, then it maybe brings the price up a bit. But I'm going middle of the road, three, £2.90. Well done, McDermott Park, for pricing your pies correctly. Yeah. What about your crust? I've given it a two out of five because I've, I've viewed the actual... So the, the top... Obviously, the top crust and then the bottom crust. So, for me, the top crust was nice and soft, fluffy. Kind of had that wee bit of a proper like, butcher steak pie feel to it. But underneath was just, it was like it was like a paper towel. The underneath was like a paper towel. You took one bite and the pie just fell to bits. So, I've given that a two. I'm inclined to agree with you there, Craig. I've also gone for a two. My notes here are soggy, no crisp, just about falling apart. But it did hold for the duration of the time that I was eating the pie. So that saves it from getting a one. I kind of had to angle mines up so the filling went to the, the sort of back of the pie to stop it yeah. off onto pieces. Um, it's a good technique, that actually. Exactly. See, exactly. I told you, I'm no, I'm no new to this pie game. Uh, <laughs> for filling, I've went four out of five. So I thought the gravy was, was nice and thick and it was decent sized chunks of steak in it as well. None of this like sort of steak bakey kind of filling that you normally get with a steak pie. It was a de- decent sized chunks in it. Like I said, almost a miniature version of a butcher steak pie. Well, was that a four that you gave I it? gave it a four. I, I quite enjoyed it. I think I must have got a different batch because I've given the filling a one. And my exact words here are, steak and gravy pie, are you fucking kidding me? It was more like chewy rubber and watery bovril. Because the gravy was runny, it was horrible, the steak was tasteless, it was chewy, it was grisly, it was not very nice at all. Uh, And then the other word I've used here was, and I don't use this lightly, disgusting. Strong words from a strong man. Um, It must have been a different batch because mine was the complete opposite to that. And then finally, temperature. Now, I'm one of these guys that likes... If I'm liking a pasty, like a Greg's, for example, I like it lukewarm. I think um, the majority are with me that you can't eat a steak bake, sausage and bean bake, chicken bake, boiling hot, because you'll get third degree burns on the roof of your mouth. So for me, it wasn't boiling hot, but it was hot enough. So I've given that a four, four for temperature, rounding up my overall score, overall score to 20. Overall score at 14 out of 20. Sorry, 14 out of 20, yeah. Uh, for temperature, I've gone for a three because it was nearly perfect. It was a shade it was a shade or two, too hot. Um, and you can, when you when you pick it up and it's really hot in your hands, and you're like, oh, yeah, can't fucking, and you put it back in the tray. So uh, I've given it a three. It was nearly there, not quite there, uh, given my McDermott part overall score, a nine. Out of 20. So, contrasting views on the first Pioneership review of the Hibs Ramble. A few strong opinions being thrown around from myself and Liam and Michael as well with his complete non-committal to the Pioneership content, which we, strong, we love. Strong opinions. Yeah, strong opinion, <laughs> exactly. So, Michael, have you got anything as a, as a food connoisseur yourself? Have you got anything to add to myself and Liam's comments about the McDermott Park pie. Uh, I I I appreciate the 
level of detail that you've went into on all uh, segments. <laughs> I appreciate the effort that you've put in to doing it. Um, do I see myself trying any of those pies? The answer is no. Um, <laughs> do I... Do I look forward to your reviews of other uh, SPFL opponents in the in the future throughout the course of the season? The answer is yes. But um, I would like to understand what you were hoping for if your reviews were so low. Well, I'm not going to lie. The last time I had a pie at McDermott Park, it was probably worse, I think, on my last pie review. Um, chart which was on Hibstock Extra Time I'm sure I uh, reviewed the McDermott Park pie very low because of similar characteristics of the pie soggy, pish filling shite temperature absolute garbage small caveat, it I'd wasn't rather, actually filled with pish let's just clear that up because I think I'd rather have a toenail pie a toenail and bogey's pie than that pie at McDermott Park on well, Saturday. The last pie I had at McDermott Park got leathered at my hands by Ian Westwater as he was warming up Nick Colgan. So anything was an improvement on that. I get it. I feel like 14's a really high rating though. Yeah. But but that's like but, that's like high. However, because of the lack of stock of the steak and black pudding, I'm gonna take two points off. So that actually oh, takes it go. down to a 12. Because it's an overall 12. service problem. Yes. Rather than the actual pie itself. Yeah. I, I do get think, it. I do think you need to Customer factor, service, really poor. You know, in this day and age, with customers, you know, customers being key, Um, you know, it's not the the poor the poor lassie's fault. I mean, she was, the two of them were working away like absolute Trojans, fair play to them. However. To what, sorry. To what not, extent are you factoring my theory? regarding the pies being um, discontinued on account of the fact that they actually sound disgusting. I think I, I've got to to step in here, Michael, and I wholeheartedly disagree with what you're saying. You sound to me like you're not a black pudding kind of man. And to me, that's that's terrible. Because I'm a, I am a black pudding man. I had a black pudding roll this morning for my breakfast. Um. Michael, would you care, uh, would you care to respond to that? To that? I, I, I think no. I think like everything, everything's got its place, and I think a black pudding belongs as part of a fry up. Uh, the fry up family. I don't think it should be put in pies. You wouldn't put um, beans in a pie. You'd have beans on your pie, perhaps, but you have beans in the pie. You wouldn't yeah, have a tomato fair. in the pie. So you need to sort of stick to where you stick to where you know and stick to where you deserve to be, rather than try and meddling with uh, other already good. Trying to fuse meals together. Yeah, it's, it's. I get. I get where you're coming from. Thanks. Oh, you're welcome. So from the Pioneer ship, here we go. We're off to Saudi Arabia, or are we? Are we off to Saudi Arabia? I know that we're not, and we also know that a certain former Hibernian forward is also not on his way back to Saudi Arabia. So the, there's almost the clues in, in the introduction. What's our thoughts on the continual leak of information that Hibs are looking to bring back Martin Boyle? Michael, what's your, what's your take on it? Uh, obviously, I hope that it can bring, bring him back. Uh, I'm not going to kid anyone on to tell them that I know all the uh, technical and legal ins and outs of the situation, but I just, I suppose, as a supporter, I just hope that we can get them back if there's any way that we can. Um, I thought we'd get them back at some point, but I was not expecting it to be this soon. And I think the fact that it's sort of developed past Facebook Hibs page gossip to actually Sky Sports report on it, on it and asking Lee Johnson at the training centre and it actually Hibs apparently uh, confirming an actual interest would suggest to me that we're being serious about it. Yeah, Liam, you're a wee bit 
closer to the the eye of the storm, so to speak. What's your What's your take on it? How are you How are you viewing it from a purely from a playing perspective? I think I'm in the exact same boat as Michael. I thought he would come back, but I didn't think it was going to be as soon as us. Um, you know, he's obviously a great player, a player that we missed for uh, the last part of last season when he left. And I think it's a, he's the kind of player that we need in the squad at the moment. You know, someone who can really break the lines, who's got that tremendous pace that can get him behind defenders and everything. But <clears throat> yeah, exactly like Michael, I, I thought he would come back, but it's quite exciting um, to hear that all the news outlets are reporting on it, saying that, you know, we're, we're putting in bids and stuff and you know you hear all lots of sort of different things through the grapevine you know this has happened that's happened but it seems to be like there's an awful lot of I I don't think everyone knows what's going on I'm not too sure that anyone really knows what's going on but you know they say there's no smoke without fire so hopefully it's it's done and it's done sooner rather than later. Uh, I think you I mean you've seen so there have been so many different Stories about it, whether it's um, Al Fizali, I think that's how you pronounce it, I'm not going to pretend otherwise, um, have either not paid any instalments, they're not paying Boyle at all, they've been relegated, they're trying to appeal the relegation because one of their uh, teams in the league that could have also went down fielded an ineligible player. You've got the complexities of Martin Boyle having to come back to the UK and declare the higher end rate of tax on what he's earned over in Saudi Arabia because he's been there across two tax years. There's so many different scenarios playing out. I think the one the one part we do need to sort of maybe understand is that Hibs firmly are in the driving seat with regards to this, purely because the fact that Alpha Zali still owes us a fee. So it makes yeah. it easier for us to negotiate with them as if to say, right, you're due us 2.2 million, we will write that off if you write him off on a free transfer. And then it's about trying to negotiate a salary with Martin that he feels is acceptable. Um, I think more, Michael, given what's gone on at the club over the past six months, six, we'll say we'll say the, we'll say 12 months because the kind of the domino started falling almost the minute. Um, you know, Darren McGregor was forced to play over in Croatia. That was kind of the start. Not that we would knock Darren McGregor at all, but that wasn't, you know, we needed a centre-half, it was clear to see. Do you think that there's more pressure on Ron to get this deal done, given what's happened in the last 12 months? Because to me, this feels almost a bit like when Derek Rardin came back in 2008. It was a real, you know, it properly united the support. Whereas right now there's still factions against Ron, against Ian, against Ben, you know, that maybe didn't accept the manager, don't accept some of the players that we've signed, the signing policy. Do you think this could be the one thing that unites the support under one? And that's maybe why Ron is so keen to get it done as quick as he can. Absolutely. Um, I definitely feel like Ron Gordon, uh, even though he has came out more than most owners would uh, on fan outlets and podcasts and whatever. He doesn't, a lot of the time, his answers to questions bring up more questions than they do for me anyway. Um, I think that he's he needs a marquee signing like Martin Boyle and it's not like we're taking a chance on Martin Boyle either. Like, we know what he is, we know what he's like, we know how good he is. Uh, he we know that he'll settle in at Hibs and all that. We don't have to worry about things like that. So I think as far as a business perspective, like from a business uh, standpoint, I think he's an absolute no-brainer. And the fact that football is such an emotional sport as well and a sign like that will... Every Hibs fan wants Martin Boyle back. So to have everyone on the side at one time uh, is, is a definite thing that we need to do. If possible, I and Liam, given the relationship that he, Martin Boyle has with Ryan Porteous, do you think a signing like this could be key in getting Ryan to commit his, 
long-term future of the club? Fingers and toes crossed. Um, you know, obviously him and Porto are good pals. Porto's obviously yet to sign a contract. I, I mean, it depends. If you think about it this way, if if you were unsure whether or not you were going to stay in your job, but your best pal at your work was like, oh, no, Ken, I'll, I'll stay for another year. Would would you want to stay as well? So it's it's kind of that, oh, would you jump off a bridge if Martin Boyle jumped off a bridge yeah. kind of thing. Um, obviously, football is a completely different workplace, a completely different scenario, uh, and they're both at totally different stages of their career. Um, I would hope that it would help Ryan into signing a new deal. I think everyone wants Ryan to sign a five-year contract, make him the captain, this, that, and the next thing. But, you know, when it comes down to it, you just really don't know. But, you know, I think we would all hope so. Yeah, well, we only just need to keep our fingers and toes crossed for it. I don't think at the time of recording there's any further news other than um, Hibs are still deep in negotiations. So, and homage tweeting squirrel emojis and yep. squirrel gifs and all that. I uh, if I see one more tweet underneath the Hibs tweet saying this isn't boil, I'm not letting my nan out until you announce boil. <laughs> um, I actually think I'm going to flip. But one of our favourite games for Martin Boyle was the Derby Tin Castle where he scored two goals. So what we've also done as a collective is we've all chosen as part of our brand new segment, Six of the Best. So this won't happen every single week. It will happen on occasion so it doesn't get stale and we can keep it refreshed. So Six of the Best in homage to Russell Latape's volley against Hearts in the 6-2 game. And as part of Ian Crocker, that name again is his classic commentary. We've got two games each, six of the best of our favourite derby wins. And the only caveat was that you had to be there. Hibbs are on the prowl again in a menacing mood. Russell Latapi twisting, turning. Lovely one, two. That is absolutely wonderful from Russell Latapi. Six of the best for Hibbs. They've been just stunning. Well... So, as I'm a wee bit older, I've been a wee bit more than than the boys. So mine's maybe are a wee bit before their time. But I'll let I'll let you go first, Michael. Give us your give us your two games. Okay, uh, Wednesday the eighth of November two thousand and six. Hibs won Hearts nil. Rob Jones, uh, League Cup quarter final. We absolutely battered them from start to finish. It was a it was it was a one 0 game or on scoreline only. Uh, we had eighty one percent of the ball. Um, it was just scintillating hips. Uh, John Collins had just arrived. It's actually John Collins's. I think it was his second game because we 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 drew two all with uh, Kilmarnock on the the Saturday prior, um, and. It, it was just, it was, it was just a complete utter demolition. Uh, the only problem was that we never scored more goals. Battered um, them one 0 Hearts never had a shot on target. I don't think. Um, they, they, they were, they were there as guests only. To be honest, and the only reason I remember the date is because it was my birthday. Um. <clears throat> But the also the other thing is as well, and I seem to remember this at the time was that after that game, we uh, a lot of Hibs fans felt that we'd win the cup because Rangers got beat two 0 at Ibrox from St Johnston, which was the beginning of the end of Paul Le Guin, and Celtic got beat from Falkirk the night before on penalties. So both of them were out, Hearts were out, and then it was us, St Johnston, Kilmarnock, and. Uh, Paul Kirk. Kirk in the semis. Right. Yeah, Paul Kirk, I have just mentioned. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it was a sort of feeling that we'd win it from that point onwards, which we we duly did. And is there something about the game that sticks out other than the goal scoreline, or would it be the fact that it was your it was your birthday? Uh, probably the fact that it was my birthday. What uh, did you get for your birthday that year? I, I, 
I'll be honest with you, the only thing I remember about that day is that game. What a birthday memory. And it was something I will cherish for a long time because Hibs don't win often and they don't especially win often on my birthday. So No, well, there was a derby on my birthday once and we got beat 2-1. Anthony Stokes scored a right, penalty. Well, if that's, if that's not your game, we're not interested yeah, in him. Come on, that's you're just waffle. That's not what this uh, is about. There's just been some games that might have happened on our birthday. This, this is the best of this. So let's this let's hear the first game. My ego. Let's hear the first game. Oh, oh, my first game. Yeah. Yeah, Michael. Squeeze it, bro. Uh, my first game is... <laughs> I don't know the date, um, but it was the game at Tynecastle. We won 2-1. 12th of May, 2013. Is that the one that I'm... <laughs> or 13th of May, sorry, because it was the day before my higher history. But anyway... <laughs> it's incredible how you remember the Have date. You've got of a significant history. date coming up this weekend, like something <laughs> that might tie all the dates for you. So Liam, I think I think I know the game that you're referencing, but but yeah, so we won it two one. Hearts Hearts went two one. Uh, Hearts went two one up. No, they never. Hearts went one 0 up. Darren Barr scored in the first half, um, and I think it was uh, it was the year after they beat us. In the cup final, yeah, I think, um, and they played Avicii levels when Darren Barr scored, which is really annoying because it's such a good song, but uh, it's ruined by the fact uh, that every time I hear it, I think of getting absolutely spanked at Hamden by Hearts. Um, but yeah, so Darren Barr put Hearts one nil up, and I think all the Hearts fans thought that they were going to go on and score four or five again uh, because we were pretty poor in the first half. Uh, until the second half, and uh, Lee Griffiths scores an absolute screamer of a free kick for what felt like it was about a hundred yards out. It was almost um, identical to the one that the one that wasn't. It never happened. Yeah. I was a ball boy for that game. Did you know? Yeah. Well, there's right that, behind the goal. Right again. We're not talking about games that way. I'm just wanting to boost my ego, <laughs> Craig. I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> so the Lee Griffiths free kick, uh, and then Ross Caldwell, obviously, right at the end. And the, the shit celebration, arms in the air, walking towards Ibs fans. The worst celebration for a last minute winning in a derby I think we'll ever see. Here's a hypothetical for you about that game, right? If you pay attention to Scott Robertson as he plays the ball to Ross Caldwell, mm-hmm. Danny Wilson, I think it is, absolutely cleans him out. Like he's. Yep. Do you think if Caldwell doesn't score, we get a penalty? I don't know. I've yeah, never. I, I don't think I've really noticed that before. If you go back and watch so. it, Robertson gets, and I mean it's proper. He gets proper cleaned out. But then again, Craig Thompson was a referee, Sive. so. Aye. Um, aye, that that was a good one, Liam. I remember being in the middle. Yeah, it was block, a good one. Uh, I I think I think in. I think we would have got a penalty because he looks if because Craig Thompson looks as if he's played advantage, like he does like the gesture. I mean, I'm doing the gesture that nobody can see because we're on audio. But anyway, <laughs> like, he's put both his arms up. No. Uh, so I think I think we would have got a penalty, but um, as you say, it was Craig Thompson, so it's it's very difficult to know. Yeah, uh, that was the middle section, row eight, I think it was. So the very back row before the game before the. I was in the very. The I was tier. in the very front row. I ended up down and... beside you, mate. I was. I went diagonally down. I got squashed by a big guy. Uh, when Griffiths scored the free kick, and then he squashed me again when Caldwell scored the winner. I do apologise, mate. Can I provide a fun fact about that moment? Of course you can. Of course you can. I was in the second row, and the next to me there was two guys, and they both ran on the pitch when the, the goal went in. Uh, but one of them got thing with the way as per normal, but the other, as Paul was like a big bodybuilder, and he required six stewards to get him off because <laughs> he just planted his heels in the middle of the box. Bagged <laughs> off. It's a photo quite humorous. Well, if it's no bodybuilders, it's coconuts. Eh? Liam, what's your interesting fact about that day? If you that have was one? my interesting fact that I got squished by a really large man at both goals. I thought at one point, I, th- I can't remember what goal it was, but I genuinely thought that this was the end. And that was how I was going to die, celebrating a Hibs goal at Tynecastle. Probably the way that I want to die, to be uh, honest. Wouldn't it be the worst way to go? So we'll go We'll go a wee bit old school, a wee bit vintage for the for my first game. The third, is it maybe the 27th of December, 1999? 
So the final meeting of the final Edinburgh Derby of the twentieth century before we went into the end of the new millennium. And courtesy of Dirk Lehman, Frank Sozzi and Kenny Miller, we absolutely slapped them three nothing. So I would have been eight and a half at that point. And I believe that was my first time seeing Hibs win at Tynecastle. I don't think I was old enough to be taken to the the Graham Hunter game, which was in 94. And that was just, like, being as a being a wee laddie and being in that atmosphere like that, they were, Tynecastle was quite poisonous because they were dead set against Chris Robinson at that point. And we'd only just came back up for the, as it was the first division at the time. So we're in the, the Premier League for six months. Um, kind of the core of the team was still together that brought us up with players like Derek Collins, Paul Lovering, Pat McGinley, John Hughes, Stuart Lovell, etc. And then Kenny Miller kind of burst on at the start of that season. Um, and just the overriding memory of that is just being right behind Sozzy as he leathers it. And as soon as he scores, he doesn't go mad. He doesn't, he just tur- a bit turns and just gently jogs back to the Roseburn. Stands in front, I mean, we've all seen it, he stands in front of the Roseburn and just gives it a wee, a wee fist pump. I mean, the guy <laughs> loved a goal against Hearts, loved a win against Hearts, never lost to Hearts, um, which we, we don't often say. And the one memory I've got is that's the first time I can remember ever hearing the chant, oh, it's all gone quiet over there. And it, that was just <laughs> a crescendo. It just kept going and going and going throughout the the entirety of the game. And then obviously Kenny Miller seals it with a, a brilliant left-footed finish. So that's game number one for me. Michael, what's your second game? Uh, I don't know the date to hand, but it was during the uh, Neil Lennon era. Uh, 3-1, which was, if I'm not... Aye, 3-1. Yeah. Uh, Should have been which... four. It should have been four because Dad been... McGregor scored a perfectly legitimate goal within the rules of association football. However, it was disallowed <laughs> for reasons unknown. Anyway, uh, Cummings, Holt, and Shinny, I believe, scored. Yep. I mean, I was, I was, I, I was, I don't advocate this, but I had a drink, right? Um, <laughs> so my memory is we're all we're all about adults making sensible choices. My memory is a bit sketched, but I do remember just the the fact again it was midweek under the lights. Um, there was also that just... fact that Sky Sports didn't pick it up, so the only way that you could see it yeah. was if somebody had it on Periscope. If you weren't at the game, <laughs> and it was uh, just another demolition job again. We were just far superior, far superior. We were much better than them. (laughs) In all areas of the park, and we just, uh, it was just a doing, and it was three, should have been four, but it should have been about eight or nine, to be honest, that night. And then they got a sort of, they scored a rebound for a penalty as well. Yeah. It was quite a. Gone Calves, I think. Anything other than the goals that stands out that you can remember, or is the fact that you were severely pushed enough of a enough of a moment in its own? Uh, you say severely pushed. I say probably had more than I should have, but um... <laughs> more than your more units than your <laughs> more, than your weekly allowance. Yeah, more units than has been uh, recommended to me by medical professionals. However, <laughs> um, I, no, it was just just the fact. That, Probably the, just the fact that uh, it felt like an actual, like, because uh, the only people that saw it were there as well. Well, yeah. apart yeah. from the folk watching on Periscope, but we're not counting them. Um, so I just felt like it was more, it, it was a bit more special. I don't know. Aye, if anybody's never seen it, um, there's a wee, there's a wee Hearts fan who posts on Twitter, Aaron Fraser or Aaron Fraser, whatever he wants, whatever his name is pronounced. And on his YouTube channel, so he used to do match day vlogs, and he's got a vlog of that game, and it's got all the goals for that game, and you hear the heart's reaction from that game. So that's always a a good wee a good wee video to go back and watch. Um, 
Liam, when you're feeling down, when hearts beat us. Yeah. <laughs> Liam, your second uh, game, and I think this one is probably. Game. I think this one will probably be, other than the, those vintage enough to have been at Tynecastle on the first of December, first eh, of January, sorry, nineteen seventy three, or the twenty second of October two thousand. I think a lot will probably resonate with your with your second game. Yeah, and it's not even a win; it's a draw. Uh, and it was the date was the seventh of February, twenty sixteen, because I've just looked it up on my phone, <laughs> and um, it was the the two nil down at Tiny. Uh, yeah, so what a day that was! Obviously, walking from the the hotel through Gorgie and then into the stand, and then two nothing doing at half time. And you're thinking, here we go again. It's all over. But we should never have been 2-0 down. No. And it just felt like it was typical Hibs. Play well. I'm sure we 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 had a really good chance right at the start of the game. I think, I think it was maybe John McGinn. And he just dragged it wide. There was one that like, kind of looped onto the top of the net as well. Yeah. Um. So... Yeah, and we found ourselves two 0 down at half time, and you kind of, you kind of thought, oh, for God's sake, it's frustrating because. Oh no, you it was know Cummins. Cummins well. was Cummins was ruled offside. He yes. scored, but he was ruled offside. But he wasn't. Yeah, offside. he was actually onside. Yeah, yeah, and then obviously Jason Cummins scores with that superb header. I'm I'm sure uh, my dad at the time said that he'd, he'd seen him score one similar for the Scotland twenty ones or Scotland nineteens or something like that. Um, but I remember the, when he when he headed the ball, it felt like it took about five minutes to loop over the goalie and and fall into the back of the net. And then you know the rest is history with the the corner and Darren McGregor's header that he should have scored, and it falls back to Paul Hanlon who slips over and <laughs> the, most Hibs goal, <laughs> the most Hibs goal, the most the most goal. That's probably ever. the only time that Hibs have scored a goal that we would usually concede. Like when yeah, you think exactly. McGregor's McGregor, I mean, if you analyze it properly, McGregor should score. Like, there's no way he should be missing. Like, Alexander just puts an arm out, he doesn't even have to save it, really. I think it's um, more an instinct thing that and then, Alexander just flings his arm. The fact that it goes and then through, thankfully, it falls back. The fact that it goes through like three, four bodies and then also misses Nicholson on the line as well. Like, yeah. it's just it's just another thing. Um, any anything stick out from that day other than the I mean, yeah it's the only time I've celebrated a goal and ended up in the row behind <laughs> like <clears throat> yeah no uh, for me other than the goals the only thing I, I can really remember that was that memorable was Nicholas Gunnarsson nearly fucking it for us right at the end <laughs> when he tried to I don't know what he was trying to do but he kicked it back towards I think it was Oxley that was in goal yeah. and it hit the bar <laughs> <laughs> And we thought, oh, for Christ's sake, here we go. But and then no, they keep it off the line after the corner as well. Off the line. So thankfully we we managed to scrape ourselves through Tiny and, and we and we got through the replay as well and then obviously ended up winning the cup. And I think we'll round it off with my second game, which I don't think needs no real description or um introduction. The reason that this segment exists, six of the best. Mixu Patalainen, John O'Neill, David Zatelli, Russell Latape. Um, I suppose the one thing that sticks out for me with that game is that one, I just got a brand new pair of Nike Cortez trainers on the Sunday morning, because it was a five past six kickoff that night. And two, I was starting a new primary school on the Monday. So that's two two e. Where were you starting? Fox Cover. I was going Did to you enjoy it? I was going for Sight Hill to Fox Cover, so it was like being dragged at the favelas and like pushed into the big Dropped city. in Beverly Hills. Aye. Um, so I that's probably still remains my absolute top hearing the East sing We Want Seven, We Want Seven. And then also ironically cheering when Colin Cameron scored <laughs> to make it six two. Um and the fact there was fucking none of them there. There, there must have yeah, been about no. 400 fans It was quite there. embarrassing, eh, from, from yep. the hearts. And those... That would never happen nowadays. No, those that have very, very, very short memories. The London Andrews game. Aye. Changed the game. Yep. It came on. And 
another wee interesting fact about that it's uh, there was no bookings. No one got booked. Especially for Hugh Dallas as well. That's yep. a, but it's, I mean, there's just so many iconic photos. You've got Mixu hudding up the, like that, as if he's doing the YLT. I don't think he meant that, but still it didn't really matter. Him and uh, Sozzy doing the jig. You know, John O'Neill that night was really unlucky not to get a man in the match because he was, he was unbelievable. He was absolutely unbelievable. Um, can just you just need to look at the team and see who played in it, and you just you realise that was a proper, a proper special time to be a Hibs fan. So you might be listening to the Hibs ramble and wonder, right? Why are we talking about six of the best? Why are we talking about our favourite derby wins? And that's because this Sunday, August seventh, twenty First home game of the season, first home league game of the season. Lee Johnson's first home league game. As Hibs manager, we take on, we've all got our names for them, we'll just call them, we take on them at Easter Road. Michael, how do you feel we're, we're shaping up? I know you you tend to get to almost every game. How do you, you know, going for the bigots from, did you manage to make over to Portugal actually? Uh, no. No, right, okay, so ignoring Portugal then, we've all watched it on YouTube. How are you feeling about welcoming or City Rivals to Easter Road on Sunday? Um, well, obviously, don't like them, don't like the so- sight of them, don't like the sound of them, don't uh, wish anything positive for them in any way, shape or form, but I think that's a given for anyone listening to that. Uh, so, <clears throat> in terms of the game, uh, I feel a bit better than I did this time last week. I think the New signings uh, have been quite good, um, but it's a big test for for them, and it's a big test for Lee Johnson. But uh, sold out or looking to be a sold out Easter Road uh, against your side rivals. That's why you. That's why you should be playing for Hibs, I think. So it's sink or swimmer, I believe. Yeah, Liam. How do you feel after? Obviously, the game last weekend wasn't great. How do you feel that last weekend's win at St Johnston has maybe prepared us for playing against Hearts? Because as we've seen last weekend, St Johnston were, you know, almost like they've been taught by Professor Snape in the dark arts. They were at it almost from minute one. Um, we know Hearts aren't averse to those kind of tactics either. So how how key do you think it is that maybe we've actually faced that? And how also, because obviously we waited so long to get the goal, how important is it that we try and get an early goal on Sunday? Yeah, I think when you look at St. John's and the Hearts side by side, I don't think there's many similarities that you can draw between them. Um, St. John's were obviously playing for a draw uh, and they were going down every two minutes. I think every team can be um, capable of doing that. Obviously, Hearts can as well, but I think we'll see maybe a game against them. I think they'll come out uh, out and at us more, leaving maybe a little bit of space in behind, which is ideal for for us and our pacey wingers like Martin Boyle and uh, Jer Tavares. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I think, like what you're saying about the early goal, I think we mean you were talking about earlier on, and the longer that it goes nil nil, it probably suits Hearts better because you know they're coming to hours. Um, you know, probably leaving with a point is not a bad result for either side, uh, especially this early in the season. Um, the last thing that either team wants to do is go out there and lose. And I think that has been shown by the, the first two derbies last season is that they were so cagey. And if they didn't have to go by, then it probably will be a shit game of football. But it's an Edinburgh derby and we're hopefully going to go out and attack them because we've got, you know, a new manager who wants to implement his style. I thought at times on Saturday we were a bit toothless. Um, whether that was down to the way that St. Johnson were playing the game or whether down to the way that we were set up, it's kind of difficult to tell. But hopefully we come out with a little bit more attacking intent on Sunday. Michael, for you, where do you feel this game will be won and lost from a Hibs perspective? Where where can we really gain the upper edge on, on Hearts on Sunday? Uh, I think uh, 
like most games of football, it's won and lost in midfield. Uh, I think it's important that our players are aggressive. Uh, Joe Newell, Kenny, uh, Henderson, I think it's important for them to be aggressive. Um, I think they need to want to play football as well because Hearts are going to just try and sit in uh, and get us in the counter, I'd think. So we don't want to bring ourselves to reduce ourselves to their way of playing either because we'll get beat if we do that. We need to try and harness our own strengths and play to our own strengths. And I think whoever does that the best will will win. I think you make a decent point. It's always the midfield and you you, you typically find the games that we're struggling against Hearts as the games where they try to drag us into that sort of can stop start nature of a game, walking for goal kicks, you know, stealing inches, stealing feet, uh, stealing yards, sorry, on throw ins. Just doing anything really to try and kill sort of any momentum in the game. And I think that the way that Lee Johnson wants his team to, to set up is that if, if Hearts want to come and play football, I think it could actually come and play in our hands. If they try and commit players forward, if they try and move the ball quickly. We've seen on Saturday that Nohan Ken is quite quite good at you know ball recovery. He's also good at spotting danger before the danger even becomes apparent and getting in the right place at the right time. So, you know, if we can I hate using the phrase turnover in football, but if we're able to get the ball quickly, you know, in our third and turn it round and we can have players like Melkerson, Jair, Boyle, <coughs> Eli Yuan. <laughs> In behind, um, it's been brought to my attention as well that Robbie Nielsen has never won a Derby Easter Road. So, do you, Liam? Do you think that's something that we could somehow use to our advantage in a way? Um, yes and no, because obviously it's a record that Robbie Nielsen obviously wants to get rid of. Um, but at the same time. I doubt that's what drives him as a manager, as a Hearts fan. Um, but do you not I think, think because, because there's still an element of that Hearts support that I've never, ever forgiven him for that, you know, as a title, the money mm. spinner, that's that comes yeah. from Robbie Replay himself, you know, the money spinning replay. Um, yeah, I mean... We can, use, there's some, can we somehow use that to our advantage, knowing that, despite what he's done for them last season, you know, getting them back up, finishing third, guaranteed group stage European football, that if we can somehow get the win on Sunday, it just immediately puts pressure on them. What can we do yeah. to try and ensure I that? Think, I think there's, like you say, I'm not too sure how big the contingent is that um, is anti-Robbie Nielsen, but it seems like there's a lot of Hearts fans that no matter what Robbie Nielsen does, he could, you know, turn water into wine and turn bread into fish and they still would want his head so I, I feel maybe a win on Sunday maybe would put a little bit of pressure on him but I, I don't think that kind of pressure from the fans would uh, lead to you know Hearts doing anything rash with sacking him or that you know he has just got them group stage European football got him to Scottish Cup final um, he's obviously a half decent manager but Here's hoping that he keeps his canny win at Easter Road record. On the flip side, Michael, what pressure is under Lee Johnson to get a win? Given the, you know, do you think that the way that the group stage of the League Cups played out, that, you know, that that sort of feel good factor that we were discussing about the return of Martin Boyle, you know, is is this something that I think? You know, do you feel that this is something, even though it's really on in Lee Johnson's tenure, that he really needs to get right? Absolutely. Um, listen, football fans are fickle. Football fans don't really uh, think logically a lot of the time. Uh, a lot of Hibs fans will be looking at it and thinking, the guys came in, uh, he's had money to spend, he's bought some of his own players. We've went out the League Cup groups uh, to lower league opposition. Then the first home game is against Hearts. If you don't make, if you make an arse of it, then that's what you're going to get 
people on your back for it doesn't matter if we won last week or not this is an Edinburgh derby and Hibs managers need to know and need to understand the importance of Edinburgh derbies especially ones at home to, not even in terms of just the season just in term, just to the fans and uh, the fact that we've I'm going to say we're going to sell out but technically we haven't sold out but we're probably going to shows that uh, the fans intent so I think Lee Johnson needs to win he just needs to repay the fans for uh, well yeah. I think I think Hibs did tweet saying that there was a sellout earlier on so uh, there's a difference as we see there's a difference between about tickets being sold and actual bums on seats yeah we went to the ticket exchange yeah yeah so here's hoping so, that any of those Hibs fans listening that can't make it on Sunday um, please release your seats to allow any other Hibs fans who might want to attend the chance to to go to the game. We'll get predictions, boys, before we before we start to wrap up. Liam, I'll come to you first. What are you thinking score-wise? Well, my arse is biting my leg already. Uh, I'm a nervous wreck at the best of times, but when it's a derby week, it's even worse. Uh, score-wise, I've not thought too much about what my prediction is going to be. So I'm going to pluck one out of thin air. I think we'll concede but I think we'll score and I think it'll finish 1-1. Michael? No, no. Like they always are. What a fucking air of positivity. <laughs> I'm going to go against the grain and say 2-0 Hibs. I, I thought think, you were going to uh, go against the grain 2-0 Hearts. No. Well, that wouldn't be going against the grain, would it? <laughs> um, no, I think that, you know, it's... It's coming up to one of those points, I think, where there's only so many times they can be spawny and get away with it. You know, even when you go back the to the semi-final. They've uh, said that for years. Joe Newell getting sent off. Porteous, you know, Craig Gordon getting a magic finger to to tip Porteous' header onto the post. There's so many different things. So I'm going to go 2-0 Hibs with Melkerson sending three sides of Easter Road. Absolutely apoplectic. So before... We wrap up. We've just got some questions for viewers, and you know, I think we're the three of us are delighted with you know the some of the feedback and the reception that we've got for listeners so far. So we do we do really appreciate that. Um, first question comes from Logan Milne. So these are just be quick fire. I'm not wanting war and peace. Um, first one for Logan Milne at Logan M eighteen seventy five on Twitter. With the new boys not playing for the club a lot, do you think they will know how big a game the derby is and be ready for it? Yeah. I think Aidan McGeady definitely will. He's obviously been about Scottish football, but you know, I think it He's might be difficult. Though. Oh, I reckon off eh? <laughs> <laughs> I think eh, for the for the new boys that have come from abroad it might be a little bit different. Um but they'll they'll have played in derbies before, whether they've played in the derby as big as this, who knows, they might have played in bigger ones. Um yeah. Well my answer is Logan. I don't know. Have you got anything to add to Liam's stellar contribution there, Michael? Yeah, <laughs> uh, I think, well, just the fact that they will have played in derbies, they will have played in games where it's uh, on them to just win the game uh, by any means necessary. And I think those that haven't played in them or haven't played in the Edinburgh derby anyway, I think it's important that the players that have uh, have a word with them and just sort of let them know game. of the, let them know about the importance of the uh, fixture. Yeah. yeah, I think it can go one of two ways. You can have them coming in as an outsider and being like, "Oh, great, a derby, right, cool." Or you can have them be all nervous because they understand what the fans mean, uh, what it means to the fans. Sorry, I think there's a happy medium to be found in amongst the two. But players like Tavares, you know, he's coming for Benfica. Benfica Portos, can you see them chucking flares about it? Under fourteen hockey games. Ah, but he's been playing so, at the Rezies. Aye, but it doesn't matter. He's been brought up in that culture, so he knows. Yeah, I suppose so. The importance of a city rivalry. Yeah. Um, next one Four comes to. Yep, our good friend Billy <laughs> Sterling at King of the North thirty one. Uh, so talking about Boyle, um, about being excited about Boyle coming back, given that Elias Melkerson has started the season on the right hand side of the sort of front three. Attacking wise, where does that leave him if we do get the boil deal over the line, Michael? Uh, looking for another position. 
Uh, to put it bluntly, I think you you play your best players in their best position, and <clears throat> uh, it's good to have competition. Don't get me wrong, but Melkerson will have to play somewhere else if Martin Boyle returns. And yeah. that's just the nuts and the bolts of it. I do think that until we get sort of like Kevin Nisbet back fit again, having a three of Yuan, Melkerson and Boyle isn't necessarily a bad thing because the two, the, all three of them can play through the middle, they can play off the left and they can play off the right, so there's enough interchanging within that. Um, Liam, for Jack Gillies on Twitter, Rocky as a changed man after last season, do you think he will go on to become a bit of a cult hero, much like Effie? Uh, I hope so. I certainly hope so, Jack. Um, it's I a think strong the, opinion uh, you've given there, Jack. They're very strong it's, it's a very strong opinion. And uh, I'll give you a really soft one back. I, I hope so. I really do. Um, I think we were talking about this the other day. The, the PR around Rocky has been superb from Ben Kensal pulling on everyone's heartstrings saying why do the fans hate me and I I think there was a lot of people within Scottish football not just Hibs that were jumping on his back guy's a young laddie um, and you can see on in, on St Johnson on Saturday against St Johnson he played really well he was solid albeit against a, you know, a, a flaccid St Johnson attack but you know you can only play in front of play who's in front of you I've messed that right up there, eh? Yeah. Jesus Christ, for a podcast, can't even talk. But no, I That's hope he becomes a hero. I know. <laughs> I hope he becomes a cult hero. I, I do like him. I um, think he's a bit raw, but you got to remember he's a young laddie and uh, he's, he's learning the league, he's learning the team. So get off his back, let him play his game. And then we've got two that have came in anonymously via Michael. I don't know if you want to put a name to the question, Michael. That's entirely at your discretion. Uh, Lloyd. Lloyd. So Lloyd has asked, so just a quick yes, no, from both of you on these ones. So first one, would you accept us not signing a centre-half if it meant signing Martin Boyle? Liam. No, get them both. Or is it a one or the other? I think it's a one. I think, well, his question is, would you accept us not getting a centre back if we got Boyle? So it's kind of one or the other. Yes, Do you want a I would. Half I would, a I would accept not getting a centre half to bring Boyle in. Yeah, I would. That's that. Thanks, mate. That's what I needed. Michael, uh, I would concur. I would concur. I think that's that's three concurs for that one. <laughs> and then the second one is maybe a topic for a, another podcast when he gets closer to full fitness. But at this moment in time, based on how the squad is set up. Regardless of whether we get Boyle or not, Michael, does Nisbet walk straight back into the team? Uh, good question. Uh, I don't know, to be honest. I mean, it'll depend on when he comes back, how uh, players are playing. Yeah. But I think right now, prob- I would probably say yeah. Uh, if, it was to, I- if it was to be fit tomorrow, would he walk back in? I would, I would certainly think so. Yeah, I think so. I think you'd play ahead of Dodge. Yeah. Anyway. I think you'd play ahead of Dodge. It depends how Yuan does. So it is a big fat hairy depends. Really. And Bojang as well. Don't forget big yeah, yeah, Excellent. So we'll wrap up. Um again, thanks to everybody for listening to the podcast, whatever you do. If you could remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcast, whether that be thanks to Liam, we're now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. If you've got any feedback for us, you know, any topics you'd like us to discuss, any ideas for features, please let us know. Get in touch with us. Our socials were at the Hibs Ramble across Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And for anybody who's going to the game on Sunday, enjoy yourself. Let's hope we're we're back next week reviewing uh an absolute scalping. Based on the law of averages, we probably won't be. Um however, we can but dream. So, Michael, Liam, thanks very much for for coming on tonight. It's been a blast, and I've really enjoyed myself. So have I. Thank and now I'm away to get a takeaway. Well, you have a, we can discuss this I don't know yet. I right. don't know yet. Thank you. Right. Thank for you listening. for listening. Cheers, lads. <laughs>